0: You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. For leading us, about seven years ago, um, there was a a, a woman who's in our congregation, Colleen Hanscom. She was uh, watching the news uh, and everything, Transpire in, uh, in Syria. And so she came to me one day and said, Keith, we need to do something. Uh, and, and I said, I have no idea what we can do. Like, I mean, what can we do? And so we prayed. Uh, and we invited other people to pray with us. And before long, we had a committee of people who cared. And, 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 and shortly after that, uh, we had a committee putting together some refugee resettlement forms. Uh, and before long, we had a family show up In our midst that we have come to know and love (laughs) and I was just at uh, um, uh, the MCA camp yesterday at Green Bay uh, and the family was there Um, they came uh, seven years ago with their three boys Uh, they didn't speak a word of English they uh, they knew very little about the church and about Jesus and there they were with their seven children (laughs) And uh, the mom was going down the zip line, uh, uh, screaming with glee, (laughs) and I had a conversation uh, with uh, the husband, uh, a dear man, uh, and he just spoke of his heart filled of thankfulness. We read the news and we think, okay, well, what can we do? Well, we can pray. (laughs) And God does something. And it's beautiful to see a church that wants to be part of, of loving people into the gospel to know Jesus. And it was beautiful to be part of that this weekend uh, in some small way uh, with this family, this beautiful family. And so, uh, and so for that, I'm thankful. And I'm thankful to be part of a, a church, a community that cares about those things. Uh, we've been working through a sermon series called "A) uh, listening for God, because we, we want to grow in our ability to, to hear the voice of the Lord in our life. And last week, uh, we looked at the story in Luke chapter 24 of these two people on the road to Emmaus, uh, and, uh, and there we learned a little bit about how Jesus speaks to us, the manner in which he speaks, that when Jesus speaks, he speaks personally, but he also speaks scripturally, And we learned that when Jesus speaks, he has something in mind. He wants to draw us into a closer relationship with him. And so this week, I want to move the story forward as we consider another angle to the manner in which Jesus speaks to us. Specifically, I want to look at the one through whom Jesus speaks. And of course, I'm referencing the Holy Spirit and so I invite you right now to turn with me to John chapter 16. It's on page 730 or 53 uh, of the Pew Bible. Maybe you have a device, you can open that uh, and turn there to John chapter 16. Uh, and, and before I do that, uh, I forgot to mention, I got a little carried away at the beginning here. Um, uh, w- w- this is a communion service. Uh, and so following the preaching of the word, we're, we're gonna share a meal that, that represents Jesus, the living word, and all that he has done for us to forgive our sin and reconcile us to the Heavenly Father. So if you didn't get one of these little communion packs on your way in and you'd like one, uh, I see Ron's down there. He's got a basket. So if you want to just let him know, he'd be happy to drop one off for you. And there's a few baskets up top uh, as well if you want to grab that for the end of the service. So turn with me to John chapter 16. And I'm going to read a short passage from verses 12 to 15. Whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit of Jesus is saying to his church. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to invite you once again to tune our ears Jesus, I'm not inviting you to speak because you are already speaking, but by your Spirit, tune our ears so that we might hear your words of life and truth, freedom, joy. And Jesus, you have so much to say, (laughs) and so we pray that we would hear your words, not Keith's, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let me orient you at the outset to, to what we are reading, what our text for this morning is. This passage of Scripture comes in a larger portion, which is called, often called the upper room discourse uh, in John's Gospel. It spans from John 13 to John 17. And in this kind of chunk of Scripture in John's Gospel, Jesus is, is bringing his, his closest disciples out of the noise and the busyness of the streets into a quiet room because he wants to, to share an, an intimate meal with them. But more than that, he, he has an intimate word to speak with his disciples. Okay, it's the first Easter weekend, Uh, Christina mentioned Easter this morning. that that, uh, As we look from this point in history, we are God's Easter people because Jesus has risen from the dead. But this is the first Easter weekend, and the events of that weekend had not yet unfolded. Yet, Jesus in some mysterious way had an understanding of what was yet to come. He, he knew that uh, shortly after this meal, he would be handed over by, uh, by his, some of his closest people and uh, some of the religious leaders of the day. He'd be handed over to the authorities, and he would be crucified on a Roman cross. His, would, his body would be buried in a tomb, and then three days later, with the power of God, would be raised to life, and sometime after that, he would ascend to the right hand of God the Father. And in some way, Jesus understood uh, that, that these things would take place. He, he had a sense that, that he was not going to be physically present with his disciples much longer. So he pulls them out of the busyness of the streets of Jerusalem into a quiet room. And it's as though he's saying, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be physically present with you for much longer. And so this is what I really want you to know. He wants to prepare them for his absence. And we come to our text in John 16, verse 12. As Jesus invites them into this this quiet room, and he's preparing them for his absence, and he says to them, look, disciples, I'm not physically going to be with you much longer. And then verse 12, Jesus says, but I have much more to say to you. I might not be present physically, but I have much more to say to you, church. Right? This word isn't simply for the disciples on that first Easter weekend. It's for the Easter people today. Jesus is saying to us that though he is not physically present, he still has more to say. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. Uh, Imagine this scenario from my own life. I'm a young university student going to Simon Fraser University, and I meet this beautiful Italian girl named Gina. (laughs) True story. (laughs) And she captures my heart, and so so I do what anyone in my position would do. Uh, I I try and woo her. And so I muster up the courage, and, 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 I, and I talk to her, I speak to her. And, and, and as time goes on, I, I muster up even more courage, and, and I speak to her and tell her how much I love her. I speak to her and about the potential future that we could have with one another and all that that could become. I speak to her, I, I tell her jokes to make her laugh, to bring joy into her life. And guess what? At this point, it is working, right? <laughs> Like, she is, has she is fallen hard, and I mean, come on, like, how can you not? No, of course, uh, you, it's not that way. Um, <laughs> I needed to work hard uh, for obvious reasons. Um, uh, and, 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 and so I come to this point where I speak again. Gina, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And then there's this moment when we stand on the altar together, and I look her in the eyes, and I speak again, and I say, I do. I will. I always will. Could you imagine a moment as we walk down the aisle from that point, I turn to her, I look at her and say, okay, now Gina, I've said everything that I need to say. And then from, could you imagine from that moment on that I never speak another word to her? (laughs) No, we can't. It's a ridiculous thought, right? Because I have much more to say. And if you know me, you know that's true. I have a lot to say. In fact, getting me to be quiet, that's the problem. You know that, actually, in about the 35-minute mark of the sermon, you're like, is this guy going to wrap up? (laughs) You know, the the point of, uh, of this is, the ridiculous of this wedding scenario is that sometimes this is how we treat our relationship with Jesus. Right, we, we hear his voice in our life. We hear him inviting us into this, this saving relationship with him. And, 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 and we decide to, to give our life to him, to receive the forgiveness he has offered us for our sin, and, 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 and we give our life to him. But then we go about our Christian lives as though he has said everything that needs to be said. And so... Church, I want you to hear the voice of your Savior afresh this morning. John 16, 12. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. You see, Jesus doesn't want to simply get you in the door of salvation. He wants to lead you into the more of salvation. And the more of salvation is this this ongoing, life-giving union with him. It's a relationship. Jesus has more to say to his church. He has more to say to you. And now the question becomes then, how does Jesus speak this more to us in a day when he's not physically present with us? Well, look at the next verse, verse 13. And 14, actually. I'll read them both. It says, but when he, Jesus says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus tells us that in his physical absence, he is still speaking through another who will speak his words. Another who receives from him what he will give to us. And he's called the spirit of truth. Of course, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And so when we ask the question, how does Jesus speak to us today? The answer can be that he speaks to us through the inner witness of his Holy Spirit. That Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, speaks directly to our hearts. Uh, last week, I, I, um, I told the story of the two men on the road to, to Emmaus. Right and, and, and they didn't recognize it was Jesus who was speaking to them. Um, and, and do you remember what they said to one another when they finally realized it was Jesus' voice that was speaking? Do you remember that moment, where they did, what they said? They sat down to a meal. Jesus shared the meal. It was a communion meal, and their eyes were open. They recognized it was Jesus' voice, and they looked at one another, and they said, we're not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and when he opened the scriptures to us. We're not our our hearts burning and stirring within us when he spoke to us. Jesus speaks his more to us through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. You could think of it this way, that, that when it comes to hearing God's voice, we, the predominant way we hear God's voice is with, with our heart, right? Not with our ear. That's kind of how it works, I think. That we hear the voice of Jesus in our life through the Holy Spirit in, in our inner being, not in our inner cochlea, for you science nerds out there, right? Right? And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, you know what I mean. right? You've had moments where you have felt the presence of God in your life, that you've felt a stirring in your heart, that you've felt his presence. It's God getting your attention and speaking a truth-filled word to you. You've experienced it. You know what it's like. But I want to suggest to you this morning that, that if you're here today and, uh, and, and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. And I want you to know that you're welcome here. And I want you to hear that I actually think you have heard the voice of the Spirit of God in your own life too. Maybe you haven't recognized it as the voice of Jesus. But maybe for you, as you've listened to a song at a particular moment in your life and you felt alive through it in a way. Maybe it was in a worship service like this and you felt as though you didn't quite fully understand the words, but there was something happening in you and in the room that you couldn't quite explain. It's the Spirit of God trying to draw your attention into the more that Jesus has for you. Or maybe it was in, in, in the quietness of your room in, in a dark time, in a dark place. And you threw up something that resembled a prayer because you were in desperate situation. And maybe in that moment you felt a sense of peace that that, that prayer didn't fall on deaf ears. It's the Spirit of God stirring in you, saying, I'm here, I have more. Because the Spirit speaks life. The point is, Jesus, he speaks his more to us through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to listen. We need to learn to pay attention. It's important uh, at this point to note that that, that hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, that the internal witness of the Spirit is always grounded in the written witness of the Spirit, right? We learned that last week. When Jesus speaks, he speaks to us personally, but, but he speaks scripturally as well you might say that what the spirit says to us he doesn't go off script right his word is his word it's the same word and so they're never out of sync with one another but but the point is that if we understand that that his written word is our anchor christians we can be freed into this great possibility that god actually has something to say to us something fresh Something new, something we need to hear, and so we need to listen. Why do we need to listen? Well, look at how Jesus describes the witness, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Look how he describes the Spirit in our text. Verse 13 he is called the Spirit of truth, the Spirit who leads us into all truth. This is why we need to hear the voice of the Spirit. Because we need to hear truth in our world. We need to hear truth in our lives. I mean, wouldn't it be a shame, a waste, if we spent our entire lives living under wishful thinking or living under half-truths, or even worse, living under the voice of lies? It would be a waste and a shame. We need to hear the voice of truth. Here's an example. You can imagine a young woman. It doesn't need to be a woman, but go with me for this, because this applies to women and men alike. But you can imagine a young teenager. She wakes up in the morning, and and as she goes to the mirror, she looks at herself in the mirror, and she hears the voice speaking (laughs) And it says, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not popular enough. It's not just teenage girls who hear this voice, is it? But it's not the truth. And do you see how important living under the truth is? I mean, living under, under, under lies just brings destruction and, and it, it can cripple a life. But living with the voice of truth that says to this girl, you are my masterpiece, you are my work of art, you are my beloved, to hear the voice of truth, it changes everything. And the point is that, that, that when we live under the voice of truth, we flourish But when we live with the shadow of lies and half-truths, we languish. And so we need to to learn to hear the voice of truth in our life, the voice of truth that the Spirit speaks to each one of us. We need His voice. And so in a real practical way, I want to draw your attention this morning to three ways the Holy Spirit is speaking to you even right now. Three ways that the Spirit speaks to us that can help us hear his voice of truth. Because sometimes if we kind of know what we're listening for, it helps us hear, especially when we're starting out. Three voices that the Spirit speaks that leads us into truth. First, I want to help you hear his voice of affection. And I'm going to go through all of these in a moment. His voice of affection. Where the Spirit is speaking the truth about God's love for you. It's the first voice. But second, there is the voice of correction. And it's where the Spirit is speaking to you about the truth of your own human condition and our propensity to sin. And third, there is the voice of direction. And it's where the Spirit of God is speaking truth to you about how you can live wisely and effectively. A life that glorifies Jesus. So, three voices, affection, correction, direction. Uh, And I didn't just choose those because they have a nice rhyme to them. (laughs) But it will help you remember this week. Jesus, speak to me, your voice of affection, your correction, your direction. First, the Spirit speaks truthfully to us about God's love. It is his voice of affection. Romans 5, verse 5, it says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through whom? Through the Holy Spirit. Said another way, the Spirit speaks to our hearts about God's love. Romans 8:16. The Spirit himself, God's Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit of truth tells us that we are loved and that we belong that we are his, that he has embraced us. It's it's like this moment. We see this moment where where God the Father speaks over Jesus at his baptism. Uh, Do you remember this in the Gospels? And and, and the words that the the Father speaks over the Son, He, he says, this is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Those are the words that the Spirit of God speaks into your life every day. You are my child, whom I love. You're my delight, my pleasure. Commentators, when they reflect on these words of the Father spoken over the Son in the Gospels, they'll often make mention that The Father speaks these words before Jesus lifts a finger in his earthly ministry. Before you lift a finger, before you do anything of value for God, the Spirit says, you're my child. I love you. You're my delight. But it's more than that. The scriptures teach us that it's not simply before we lift a finger, it's even when we have lifted a hand against God. For while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ demonstrated his love for us by giving his life in our place on the cross. This is the profound love of God. That even in our sin, God says, You are my child whom I love, you're my delight and my pleasure. And here's the thing we need to get these words into our bones. <laughs> We need to get them in our being. We resist the words of God's affection for us sometimes. And, and, and there's a variety of reasons for that. Maybe, maybe you had a, a, a father who wasn't very affectionate. In fact, there's a lot of pain and trauma there. Uh, Maybe you resist these words because you're not used to hearing them in your family of origin growing up or maybe they make you feel uncomfortable but we need to hear these words. I I have a friend of mine who who I dearly love and and he has said on a few occasions to me, he said, Keith, you know what? I don't need to hear that Jesus loves me over and over again. And whenever he does, I just smile and say, yes, you do. (laughs) Because we all do. And we need to hear the Lord's voice of affection over and over again, not because it feeds our, 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 you know, our, our, our ego. We need to hear it because he's always speaking it. He's always speaking his words of affection over us because God's love, when we hear it, when we really hear it, it changes everything. It changes everything. Think of the teenage girl I mentioned just a moment ago for her to look in the mirror and hear the voice of the Heavenly Father saying, you are my beloved daughter. I love you. You're my delight. I mean, that kind of love changes a person, right? Could you imagine that girl walking down the halls of her high school, hearing the words of the Father in her ears? (laughs) how it changes her countenance, how it changes the way she walks down the halls as a loved one, not one who doesn't measure up. (laughs) That's what love does. Can you imagine uh, how, how she looks in the mirror in the morning, how she walks down the halls, how she speaks with her peers? Love, God's love, can change us, and so we need to hear his voice, and it's not just insecure teenagers that his love changes. It's angry alcoholics and stubborn old grumps alike. (laughs) That when we hear the voice of God's affection for us over and over, it changes us. Gordon Smith says this in his book, The Voice of Jesus. He says, if we do not learn to live in the love of God, we will always be vulnerable to the opinions of others. If we don't learn to live in light of the love of God, we will always be vulnerable to the opinions of others. He goes on, he says, we will unwittingly crave their affirmation or fear their criticism. I know this one too well. Knowing God's love, it frees us from our cravings for affirmation and it fears us from our fear of criticism. It radically changes the way we walk through life. And for me, I know on a personal level, I need to hear God's that God loves me over and over again, not to feed my ego, but to free my ego. I need to know that God loves me and accepts me as I am so that I don't feel like I need to be noticed or appreciated or validated every moment of my life. And God's love frees me from it. He frees my ego. He doesn't feed it. And so here's the practical step for you uh, in this week ahead. If you want to grow in hearing the voice of God in your life, pay attention to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit who is speaking words of affection over you. Pay attention to His words of love for you. That's the first thing. The second thing is His voice of correction. The Holy Spirit speaks truthfully about our human condition. About our tendency toward sin. Jesus says uh, in John 16, verse 8, He says, When the Holy Spirit comes, He will prove the world to be wrong, in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Part of Jesus' ministry in your life is to be the voice of correction, it's His ministry to you. To be the voice of correction in order to bring our attention to the ways that we live out of sync with God's goodness, without, out of sync with His character, because essentially that's what sin is. Sin is, is when we and our world becomes affected by uh, those who live out of sync with God's will and His way. And we need help to hear uh, from God where we are living out of sync with God's will and His way. Because as, as, as human beings, we tend to either dismiss uh, our transgressions uh, or, we, uh, or we just ignore them altogether. We need help hearing. Because we, as human beings, we, we have a capacity for both good and evil at the same time. Right? We are people who are made in the image of God, which means we have this great capacity to reflect the goodness of God. But we are also inherently selfish and, and sinful, and we, we reject his leadership in our life, and so we live with this, with this capacity for, 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 for evil, for turning against God. We have both. The person who kind of has highlighted this most in my life, well, is me. I see it in myself, but I have a story about my son. He knows I'm telling it. This week, uh, or actually last week, he he broke his wrist. Uh, And it took us about three or four days to get the full story, the whole story, as to what happened with this uh, wrist break. So here's how it goes. I picked him up from school one day, and normally the first order of business uh, is for him to go straight up to the kitchen to get a snack, or he is a puddle of a mess on the ground. The boy needs food, okay, at that time of the day, or else look out. And so we got home, and, and he didn't go upstairs right to the kitchen at first. He simply said with a cheery voice as he went up to his room and and, and then out the door, he said, Dad, I'm going for a bike ride round the block. (laughs) Okay, great, Luca, that sounds good. Way to get exercise, you go for it, son. (laughs) Well, as he rode down the street, uh, he thought he had lost, he had forgotten his helmet, so he hit the brakes and he went over his handlebars and he broke his wrist. (laughs) He was doing the right thing. He wanted to get his helmet and and do the right thing. But a few days later, we heard there's more to the story because we were asking, well, where were you going so quickly that you had to slam on the brakes and you fell off your bike? And he told us that actually he was going to the candy store without asking his dad's permission. (laughs) Human beings, we have this capacity. (laughs) We can do good and we can do wrong almost at the same time. And so we need the voice of the Spirit of God in our life to help us recognize the things that we so often dismiss or ignore. Because sin isn't simply the things that we do. Sometimes it's the things that we think, the things we say. Sometimes it's the things that we we leave undone, the things that we should have done but have not done. And so we need the voice of the Spirit to, 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 to help us hear where we need correction. And so, if you want to grow in hearing the voice of God in your life, pay attention. Pay attention to the inner witness of His Spirit who is speaking words of correction. That's the second thing. Third, there's also the Spirit's voice of direction. He directs us. In other words, the Spirit speaks truthfully about how we can live a wise and effective life that glorifies Him. He speaks His word of direction. Now, when we talk about God directing our lives, sometimes we we have a fuzzy idea of what that means. And I want to try and help clarify what I think that means. Uh, Growing up as a kid, I'm of the certain vintage that I would play the game Donkey Kong on an Atari vision. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? There's got to be some donkey, you know, on the Atari of all things. And the thing about Donkey Kong is that the game has been programmed in such a way that in order to be successful, in order to win, you have to move the joystick and hit the buttons at certain timing and and, and intervals in order to jump the barrels and, and climb the ladders. It's programmed that you need to get the directions precise. And the challenge is sometimes we think that that is how God directs our lives. That we we think he has a pre-programmed plan and that our job is to find the right combination of moves to follow in order for us to be living in his will. But that's not how God works. Following God's direction isn't like playing Donkey Kong. It's much more like playing SimCity. For those of you who are of my vintage, you maybe know what, I I preached this at the camp last week, and and all the kids are like, we have no idea what that video game is, (laughs) or last week, I mean yesterday, Um, uh, but it's like Minecraft, it's called a sandbox game. And the idea in a sandbox game uh, is that you are free to play in the sandbox. You can do whatever you want. It's been programmed where you have all this freedom in the world to do whatever you want. And so in SimCity, in the sandbox game, you're free to do whatever you want, but, but, but really to be successful, you need to build a city. And so successful uh, in, in, in the sandbox game where you have all this freedom is you need to build wisely and effectively. And I think this is much more in keeping with what it looks like to follow God's direction in our lives. He's given us freedom, freedom to choose, freedom to move, but he has a wise way forward. He has an effective way of living so that our lives might glorify the Father. And he wants us to live that way because he wants us to flourish. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask a God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Church, let's, let me ask you, is your life marked with wisdom? When you look at your life, do, do you feel like it, it, it's demonstrating an effective way of glorifying jesus because that's what the spirit wants to lead you in and i'm not particularly thinking about the big decisions in life like you feel like you need to sell your home and move across the world i'm not talking about that god directs us in those things too i'm going to talk a little bit more about that either next week or the week after i'll figure that one out (laughs) But I'm thinking about the everyday things you do with your time. The way you spend time with your kids or don't. The way you move about your being at your work. The way you interact with your employees. The way you interact with your peers. The Spirit of God wants to give you wisdom. And one of the ways I suggested to you last week was as we pray, that we look at the day ahead of us. We think about the people, the places, the conversations, the the things on our calendar, on our agenda, and to pray and ask Jesus, help me be wise in these situations. What's on your heart for these people? How would you have me interact? Maybe one of the, the, the meetings that you have is with someone that you don't like. Jesus, give me wisdom. And as we pray, as we listen, as we pay attention, the Spirit of God is faithful to direct us to live wisely and effectively in a way that glorifies Christ. It's what he speaks. So, church, here we go. This next week, listen for the inner witness of the Spirit, for his voice of affection, for his voice of correction, and his voice of direction. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm just going to be silent for a moment and let you pray your own prayer to the Lord in the quietness of your own heart. Jesus, we know you have much more to say to us. that you're always speaking your words over us, that you love us, and you love this city, and you love this world. And so, Lord, we want to say, I want to say this morning, that that we do desire to be the church in every sense of the word. We don't simply want to come to a building for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and that be the extent of our Christian life. We want to know your voice in every sphere of our being, so that we might radiate the glory and the love of Christ, so that we might know your rescue in places where we feel despair, so we might order our lives in keeping with the holiness of God. And so, Jesus, I pray that you take these words and that you echo them into the week. Speak to your people, we pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen.